I started realizing more than anything, it's about the dream team and getting the right people on the bus, but also the right people in the right positions. And there's clues scattered about our lives if we only know how to read the clues and pay attention to clues. Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Today, we're joined by Mike Zeller, uh, the most successful entrepreneur you've never heard of, I think was one of the taglines that was used to describe him and uh, really excited to have this chat. So, Mike, without further ado, uh, you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, guys, uh, I'm the author of The Genius Within, Your Natural Pathway to Impact, Fulfillment, and Wealth. And I have started 16 different businesses. I've had a lot of uh, 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 moments of flourishing and moments of flopping. So um, I love the game of entrepreneurship, love the real estate game. Uh, I found so much great wealth is built in real estate, but I also um, want to win at life and win at business. And I believe you can do both at the same time. So uh, looking forward to diving in. How did you get started in entrepreneurship? What was that first company and what, what drove you to doing that instead of going and getting a real job? Yeah, uh, it was really kind of some side hustles at the beginning in college where I got exposed to network marketing and did a couple companies. Didn't really like it, didn't really succeed at it, but I appreciated the personal development side. And then eventually, while I was waiting tables at uh, P.F. Chang's here in Nashville, I just graduated college or grad school and uh, was in between like trying to figure out what was next. I decided to buy my first property and I bought a duplex. Um, that was my first cash flowing property and loved it. And uh, while while I was at the closing table, the loan officer says, Mike, have you ever think, thought about getting into real estate? I was like, no. It's like, you might be good at it. Next week, went out and got a loan officer job and started there. And then uh, about a year and a half later, jumped in on the realtor side, bought more properties, started building a real estate team. Eventually, I got bored with real estate, went to Argentina uh, for a six-week sabbatical, inspired by the four-hour work week, fell in love with a French girl, and uh, came back and started three new businesses And while I was traveling back and forth to France and other places and uh, uh, just fell in love with the game of entrepreneurship. What were some of those businesses that you started? Because, you know, you move from, hey, I've got a single family asset. You're learning that. And then you, you're managing your book, right? Your sales guy on the loan officer, similar on the agent, right? To jump then to, you know, what was that next iteration? Was it product? Was it service? Kind of, How did that take you? Yeah, I, I kind of did all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and not necessarily the brightest move. Uh, usually you want to stay in uh, sister or analogous uh, uh, businesses. But I jumped into breakthrough coaching, which I tended to attract. I attracted two gay guys and two uh, heterosexual women that were all stuck on their ex-boyfriends. And that was not my intent. And <laughs> so I realized something is off here. I'm attracting the wrong market. And uh, in a I had results, but I didn't like it. And uh, I was like, this is not going to be my most lucrative venture. So I shut that down pretty quick. Um, and then I did, started a socially minded car dealership. That was one of my favorite ventures. I was a partner in that with uh, two other buddies for seven years. Uh, we did, you know, we were selling 30 to $40 million a year in cars, but also giving away cars to single mothers in need and other individuals. And we 
So every car we sold helped us give away the next car to someone in need. And we also had a smart upfront, uh, low price, uh, value priced um, price point, you know, like CarMax. So ethical. We, we wanted to be really proud of the cars we sold and, and all that because car dealers do not have a great reputation. And uh, but we gave away three hundred thousand dollars worth of cars during my time of ownership. And then we're also looking at trends and opportunities. I was like, ah, there this healthy food uh, business is on the right trend. So I started a uh, all natural healthy vending machine business um, and did that wasn't, you know, as a product base, I was trying to build an automated machine um, and uh, learned some lessons, lost a couple grand, like 25 grand in the two years I had that business, but uh, it was more valuable for the learning than anything. So as you were going through these ventures and you started reaching profitability, what did you do with that, you know, free cash flow? Did you, it sounds like obviously moving a lot of different companies, some were a little bit of a drain as you were going through, yeah. but did it always go back into new companies? Did it go into real estate? Like, how did you determine where to put that? You know, you, you're probably more systematic than I was. Um, I can pretty much attest that I'm, I'm an idea creator, visionary type. And, and so I, altogether, I've started 17, 18 com- companies and so I was moving. I kept investing in real estate. I would leverage my income to buy more real estate every year. So I loved real estate. Um, but then eventually I also started leveraging my real estate properties and the equity in those properties to start new ventures, uh, which I, <laughs> in hindsight, the education was worth a lot of money, but the, uh, I, the way the Nashville market is, uh, soared, I would be, in such a pretty position, it's such an even prettier position today, but I know I'm going to make a ton of money from what I learned too. But, um, you know, I started a, a marketing agency because um, I was like, ah, if you can figure out the marketing sweet sauce, you can really do some great things. Um, men's fashion line, sustainable fashion line, um, those type of things. So I was, I've started a few other things too, but those were some of the bigger ones. Oh, if we, if we zoom out a bit, right, a lot of what you talk about with your clientele is finding that purpose, right? Finding that clarity. At what point did you find that for yourself? And how does that influence kind of the businesses you choose to, you know, pursue, uh, you know, the ideas that you, you know, are worth spending time on? Yeah. Right about the time I was turning 30, you know, I was about three years in real estate. That's when I went to Argentina. I realized, I'm, I'm good at building sales ecosystems if I believe in the venture. But then I also don't want to be the engine because if I'm, you know, they say great operators get tired, great business owners get rich. So then I was like, all right, I'm going to fail forward faster. So that's why I was okay starting more than one venture in the same year. Um, because I was like, all right, I'm going to learn. I'm going to have like three or four or five, six. I had six different active ventures at one point. And some of them were complimentary, some weren't, but I was learning a lot. And I, I wanted to absorb that knowledge because I knew, I didn't know it at the time, but between the decades of your 40s to 60s, but especially your 50s to 60s, that's your money-making decade. That's when you make it rain. And and I'm preparing for that, right? I want to learn and master this game. Around the time I turned 40, I'm 43 now. I started realizing more than anything, it's about the dream team and getting the right people on the bus, but also the right people in the right positions. And there's clues scattered about our lives. 
if we only know how to read the clues and pay attention to clues. So I became a almost like a treasure hunter of people and studying and starting to recognize patterns. I can recognize patterns of how people are likely to behave, what roles they'll likely flourish in or flop in um, faster than just about anybody because of, um, you know, my obsession with understanding human genius and peak performance and paying attention to clues. So how did you take that and apply that to your businesses, right? Did you, did you learn that through trial and error through some of those early companies? (laughs) Definitely a lot of trial and error. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, how do you apply it today? Yeah. So I realized the vast majority of wealth is built by, investing in the right waves you know you look at uh, i study stocks and options and you're in real estate i've been in real estate obviously and if you write if you buy in the right wave then the momentum of the wave is going to carry you so if you look at the dot-com wave the oil boom the tech boom real estate booms if you were in the right cities right markets right waves boom you're you could buy the fugliest house on the market or fugliest property and you're still do well, right? Um, and so, so that's where it starts. And you want to buy, if you look at uh, the way the organizational life cycles and, and uh, industry life cycles, like you look at uh, why, why did the horse and buggy industry die when Henry Ford brought the Model T? Because that industry life cycle was on the tail end. A new technology was poised to disrupt it. Well, but if you were on the front end, of that technology wave, like we are with Web 3.0, biohacking. Biohacking is going to be 2019, $12 billion industry. 2027, projected to be $54 billion industry, right? So if I invest in the right wave, that's where most of my wealth is going to be built. Now, unpack that. That's the macro level. The micro level, for most relevant to me, is how to build a business that ta- that rides the right wave so it has more of a chance to succeed. And then, then how do I pay attention to the clues? Like we just saw the Golden State Warriors win the NBA championship, right? Um, or you look at Michael Jordan's Bulls or Tom Brady Buccaneers, right? Like they, they have the right people playing the right positions. Same thing in entrepreneurship. Um, you look at, you know, Steve Jobs at say Day. He's the bold visionary entrepreneur. Tim Cook, supply chain was a disaster, until Tim Cook got there. Just total chaos because Steve is not good at that. Tim Cook cleans it up. Now Tim's the CEO. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But Joni Ive is the designer. He's the beautiful visionary artist. Still the best products in history. Some of the most award-winning products came from Joni Ive's brain. And the combination of Tim Cook, Steve Jobs, and Joni Ive. Now we got Tim Cook, who's not really much of a visionary. He's more of an uh, operations guy, guess what? Their innovation is sliding, except when they buy companies, right? So, at least the perception. I'm a big Apple fan, but I feel it. It helps to have massive cash flow that you can acquire <laughs> and keep up with innovation, right? Exactly. Uh, and uh, you find other ways to offset it. No doubt. Exactly. I, I wouldn't mind a, a tiny snippet of their cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so as you, it sounds like if we go back to kind of the investing 
component of it. You were investing every year in real estate, came a point where it sounds like you sold some of those off to kind of mm-hmm. start new businesses. Was it, was it ever, is your strategy or your mindset about creating this nest egg for the future? And maybe that's changed now that you have a young one, mm-hmm. or was it always about kind of chasing these different waves or different companies or just learning in those early decades? Yeah, I think it's been more about the learning and and the investing. The way I'm wired, like I, my favorite personality test is Wealth Dynamics. And Wealth Dynamics, um, I'm a creator. There's eight different profiles and they show you your natural pathway for building wealth. And it's the only test on the market that gives you that. And you get about a 40-page report that breaks down like who else you're like. For example, my creators that are like me, Steve Jobs. High risk taker, um, like you know, Steve Jobs kicked out of his own company. Next was not a succeeding succeeding venture. He was running out of money with Pixar before Toy Story came out. Um, took over Apple when it was you know six months away from out of business. Um, then Elon Musk, 2018, 2017, he's nearly bankrupt with three ventures. <laughs> 2022, world's wealthiest man. Like it's uh, you know, I know. In, in reality, and it makes sense now as I read that profile or that breakdown, I'm going to have higher highs and lower lows than most people and then most people can also stomach. Um, and I'm OK with that. Now, I don't want to take my wife through that again because she's experienced the lows and, and the highs. <laughs> um, so, you know, now it is I'm going to and I think you go through suffering and trials uh pain is an awakening. It's a gift um, when we use it. And so I get wiser. You know, I, you know, you should get wiser from your mistakes and uh, unless you're an unaware human being, but I feel like that that's poised me to really have a thriving next few decades. And I plan on creating until I'm like 80, 90, you know, I want to keep writing books and, and keep building businesses and mentoring leaders. So I have a feeling it gives you your energy too, right? And your passion and without it, uh, yeah. you're flat. So uh, that makes sense. As you were talking about having an eye for talent and developing the team, like how do you look for and who have you found? Where have you looked for that operational component, right? You obviously need someone that you compare your creative visionary yeah. genius to that can execute, carry things through to the finish, right? Uh, and so how do you balance that and how do you compliment yourself there? Yeah. Yeah. You got to have the, the full compliment because you, if you have a bunch of starters, you just get nothing finished. And, and I'm really freaking good at starting things. I'm not so good at finishing things. And, and uh, so I look, I write out job descriptions. Fortunately, there are a lot of people that are great at starting finishing things. Um, so you write out a compelling for me, I, I think I've created one of the best jobs, job descriptions out there. And a lot of my consulting clients, we end up custom crafting a, a just visionary job description that calls forth the detailed finisher that wants to be because all of us as human beings want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, something with more vision, something with impact like you guys have your give back uh, philosophy which helps inspire, you probably have better people that come work for you and people that want to stay longer and that will endure. Like when I had the socially minded car dealership, 
Um, that was some, we had people taking pay cuts, leaving CarMax. We had pay, people coming and suffering through our bumps and bruises as we were young entrepreneurs that would not have done that in a regular corporate role with no, no vision and no impact beyond like, uh, we give a corporate donation here or there. Um, so you write out the job descriptions, but also personality types. You can look at this profile the high SCs are going to be f- better finishers. Typically, the DIs are the leaders or, or sales leaders as well of businesses. The um, Colby Index tells you, are you better at completing things? Are you better at starting things? Are you more of a fact finder? Are you more of a, hey, I just need enough information to make a decision? Um, strengths Finder, I also love that test because it, you can, it gives you 34 strengths ranked in order. And most of my CEO visionary types that I mentor, they're like super high on the vision, not so high on all the details, the finishing of things. And, and they need great kick butt, you know, finishers too. So we can profile and find those people. Have they come naturally to you through your network uh, or have these been, you know, more recruiting type, you know, go find them that way? It's not sometimes through the network, but pretty rarely it's um, it's almost always through a great job description that can be featured on Indeed. And the way I write the job descriptions, I have a pre-application application. application. So uh, they read the profile. If it resonates, I have people like that jump out of their seat and write me two page letters at 2 a.m. after they read my job description. And because, and then I ask like five questions at the end of the job description, and then people have to submit the questions. I review those before I even interview. So I've already got a pre-interview interview. And that shaves, I don't want to interview a bunch of duds and a bunch of people that just want a job but are not inspired. Um, so that it starts with the job description of like, and the vision, where are you going? And, and millennials, people of every generation, they want to go somewhere meaningful and want to be part of something bigger. And as do I. So what's, uh, what's the most exciting thing that you're working on currently that gets your, your creative visionary juices going? Yeah, I'm working on a uh, mobile, mobile biohacking venture that I think could be my, my first $100 million venture called Superhuman IV. And, um, you know, we want to be the nationwide leader for, uh, for mobile biohacking. So it's uh, IV drips. Um, we also want to include eventually in phase two psychedelic uh, treatments for PTSD, depression, you know, suicide prevention, like 22 veterans commit suicide a day right now. So we want to help solve um, rapid healing, anti-aging. Uh, like there's a lot of lot of opportunities in that in the healthcare space and the healthcare space is poised for disruption and innovation. Can you define biohacking for those who might not be familiar? Yeah, Biohacking is like, think, how do I hack my body to perform better and live longer? That's, and that can be as simple as eating better, like cleansing my gut. So I get rid of the junk in my gut, uh, detoxing from, you know, chemicals like, aspartame which is in all your diet diet sodas and and your sugar-free gums um to adding collagen and supplements like maca root that helps your hormone production or ashwagandha that helps your stress and your focus 
Two, uh, IV drips. IV drips are where you, you know, your average human body, if they're really healthy, healthy gut, you take a supplement or a pill and assuming you don't take too many at once, your absorption rate is at max probably 30%. So meaning 70% on a very, very healthy human being, 70% of the um, uh, vitamin is washed out, right? Maybe more, could be 80 or 90% for some people. But then also red light therapy um, or float tanks is a, a, another form of like, how do I hack other parts of my body? Uh, blue light glasses. We see people wearing blue light glasses so that you sleep better at night. That's a, another form of biohacking. Stem cell treatments um, to uh, reverse pain, anti-aging. Those are all uh, other types of biohacking. How did you get to health and wellness? Like. Yeah, was that something was, that was, was always like a jump, there? right? Yeah. <laughs> Real um, estate to cars to health and wellness. Yeah. Well, so my broader mission is unleash people's divine potential. So underneath that umbrella, it can have different expressions. So I have my coaching and my consulting is one venture. Other venture is like, what else can block people? My wife has battled depression pretty severely for two years and actually most of her life because of a lot of trauma and abuse as a child. So I started really biohacking. What's going to help her reverse and heal depression, not just be stuck with it, not just manage it. And, and it's not a silver bullet. It's not a one thing. Get therapy and take care of that. Nope. It's not a pill. It's, it's really a combination. I'm like a master chef curing what's, what's the right ingredients. Um, so for her, it's been neurofeedback. You can literally change your brain waves with neurofeedback. And her brain, like a lot of people that stu- struggle with panic attacks and anxiety, was stuck in this fixed pattern. So if something did not go as planned, she would crumple and melt and we'd have like during the pandemic we'd have even months ago we'd have some days twice a day a panic attack and i'm like dude my and we got an infant and then i'd have to be in the middle of my work day popping over taking care of the infant if our nanny wasn't there or whatever and and also having to help her reset um but then seed asylum like mushrooms the mushroom treatment that's helping dramatically with ptsd that's one thing I've done, and, and I want to get her on as soon as she gets done breastfeeding. But, but um, So I've always been passionate about it. Really, my obsession is how do I unleash people's genius? And then I've been blessed with knowing uh, and having friends that are some of the top natural health practitioners in the world. Um, and I've known them for 15 years or so. And they've shared their wisdom with me and then kind of got me in a great state and and um, and now I want to uh, I've got an MD as a partner and other partners, um, but I'm the visionary driving the engine. <laughs> really, that would make sense. Yeah. As some of the listeners are listening. Right. And, uh, you know, what would be one piece of advice that you give them? Right. As they're looking to unlock their genius. Right. Or, you know, figure out where to go with their cash flow. Like what's one piece that you would say, hey, start here. Yeah. You know, a really wise man named Socrates once said, to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. And if you look at look at people who accomplish extraordinary things, whether they know it or not, they usually put themselves in extraordinarily right positions over and over and over again. Sports, marriages, 
health wise, relationship wise, um, you know, business investing, right? Like you've built a good team. I looked at uh, your, your whole group, right? You're not the best at everything, but you found people that are great at certain things and better than you at certain things. And then, but you know, there's probably a handful of things that you're one of the best, if not the best on the team at, and you own that. Right. So own your greatness. The other thing is playing small. Small itis is a deadly pestilence that handcuffs us all. And if I look at, you know, one of my inspirational figures is a guy named Muhammad Ali. And you know what he said is is Cassius Clay in 1964, before he ever fought for the world heavyweight champion in the world, before he fought Sonny Liston, he wrote a poem called I Am the Greatest. It's a really inspiring three-minute spoken word poem that you guys can go on YouTube and find. But he just starts into it, and the crowd is laughing and jeering, and you can feel that if they had, like, tomatoes, they would be hurling at him. Because he starts out, I am the greatest. And everyone's just laughing and cracking up, and then he just rolls into it 20 seconds in because he's got such deep conviction. The crowd is now behind him, and they're like, Holy smokes, this guy actually believes what he's saying. And then sure enough, by the end, they're all cheering. And it's like, he wasn't playing small. He owned it. He went for it. He, he might have, he did strike out. He did lose his title a few times, but he went for it. And I, I'm, I, I would say sometimes I play small, but I don't want to leave my life playing, having played small too often. What's uh, the best way for people who are listening to be able to connect with you, Mike? Uh, you can find me on any of the social media platforms at the Mike Zeller. Uh, also, and that's Zeller, Z-E-L-L-E-R, no A. And then MikeZeller.com. And then also uh, you can uh, go to my, grab a free copy of my book, GeniusWithinBook.com. And it's also on Amazon as well. And uh, I also have a free six steps to finding your genius guide. Uh, I'll we'll have the link up, uh, but you know you can grab that as well. And uh, those are some of the best ways. And I would love to hear from you. Awesome, appreciate the time today, Mike. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Liam. Thank you for joining us today on the Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps towards your financial success. 